0: 19-2799 from the District of Minnesota, United States v. Pisanu Suktapirogi.
1: All right, Mr. Osgard, we'll hear from you first.
2: Good Thank night. you, Your Honor. <clears throat> I, I This is an appeal of a restitution order uh, the district court granted for the accomplice to a visa fraud case. Um, I thought uh, there, of the many ways that this uh, argument could go, I thought <clears throat> I would address what I believe is the heart of the government's uh, argument uh, as to uh, justifying the award, which I believe is that this visa fraud, as committed by Mr. um involved a, a secret intent on his part or a motivation on his part to um, get AM, the purported victim, into the United States in order that he uh, could force him into labor and force him into a a sexual relationship. Um, And that that was his intent and motivation from the very beginning. Uh, And the government then argues that the circumstances of this motivation or this intent uh, make the visa fraud that was committed a, an offense against property, uh, because uh, the uh, intent or the hidden agenda of the uh, appellant was uh, to cheat uh, the uh, purported victim out of wages or, or to, to recover some of the wages that were paid to him um, uh, improperly. Um, the problem with this argument, this focus by the government, is that there was no evidence uh, in the record of any motivation or plan at the time that they were planning the visa fraud and executing the visa fraud, um, uh, to force A.M. Um, into labor or to force him into a sexual relationship. Uh, the parties, uh, or I'm sorry, the uh, the two accomplices, Mr. and A.M., executed a visa fraud scheme which involved uh, A.M. lying about his intentions uh, to uh, work for wages once he got to the United States, a lie uh, uh, that uh, Mr. A.M. Um, intended to uh, uh, attend a particular school while he was here, and a lie uh, that A.M. Um, was staying only for as long as his education, uh, his student visa lasted, and that he was not intending to try to stay after the visa expired. Um, There was no allegation in the indictment uh, that Mr. Southebrogg had this agenda or this motivation uh, to bring AM here for purposes of forced labor or forced sexual relationship. There was no admission or stipulation by Mr. Sikhtaparog that he intended to, um, uh, that he brought A.M. here in order to force him into labor or to force him into sex. Um, There evidence of an intent by A.M. uh, to uh, have employment once he came here in violation of a student visa was an exchange of messages between Mr. Sikhtaparog and A.M. in which uh, Mr. Sikhtaparog mentioned that um, his uh, Mr. Synthaprode's son might uh, hire AM at his restaurant once AM was in the United States.
3: Counsel, uh, I want to ask you a question about the, the record here, which is, um, I wonder if all of this was waived or invited air below. And, and the reason why I say that is the plea agreement says that your client needs to pay restitution. And at least in one of the memoranda, it says um, that the victim here, ASM, was quote, entitled to some restitution for work he actually performed. And so it appears to me, from what I can tell, the first time this is actually addressed is when the district court addresses it. But it appears throughout the proceedings that the position below was um, he was entitled to restitution for any, any funds that he didn't get paid for the work he did.
2: Uh, um original it was an evolving kind of a um, an evolving theory of restitution I believe by both sides uh, in the district court I did not represent mr. Siktapur below but um, once the district court became concerned about uh, its ability to award restitution and and uh, am's true status as a victim here and invited further uh, briefing, and uh, litigation concerning that. Um, Ultimately, the defense came to the conclusion, uh, consistent with its plea agreement, that there was restitution that was owed, but it was for um, the amounts of money that A.M. had to reimburse Mr. Sukhaparog for uh, once he got here, monies for his support in school Um, that Mr. Suttaprogh had promised the United States and the Immigration Service that he would cover on behalf of of AM. And I believe that ultimately the uh, defense agreed uh, or stated that it would um, owe restitution of something like $5,200, which was the amount of money that Mr. Suttaprogh recovered from AM in the course of AM's employment at the restaurant. So on that, Um, then you would at least have waived the
1: victim argument,
2: correct? Well, I believe that um, that's not a waiver of the victim argument. Well, how uh, else respect- could there
1: be an agreement to pay that smaller amount if there's no victim?
2: The, the, the defense did agree that he was a victim, but they did not agree upon a theory upon which he was a victim or a crime for which he was a victim. Yeah,
1: they and, agreed to pay that smaller amount on the 1546 conviction. So I think you well, I thought that's what you just said that, that they went through these machinations and they eventually took, narrowed it down to agreeing that he had to pay that smaller amount. But he, but on visa fraud, on the visa fraud, yes. So you have an admission, you have a waiver, then don't you? That visa fraud is a crime against property, and that. AM is a victim. Well, at least those two issues. We
2: we, we have an agreement uh, that he owed restitution in that amount. Um, and um, the amount that was agreed upon represents um,
3: an amount of, of money that is contrary to, to law. It, I mean, it, but... But does that really matter? I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is that the position, and this, is, I think maybe what Judge, I don't want to speak for him, Judge Colleton might be getting at, but if you maintain throughout the proceedings that he, you know, um, that he, that they owe that smaller amount, and then the district court decides in accordance with the with the concessions that are made, um, at that point, what does it matter? You've, you've essentially either induced the error or, or at least waived your right to contest the error.
2: I don't believe that the, that the defense waived a right to contest any. Uh, Restitution in excess of the five thousand two hundred dollars, um, it, because it did argue that um, the the AM was not entitled to certain kinds of wages or certain kinds of losses um, because AM was not a victim for purposes of those losses. Those the the issue of whether he was a victim was raised and litigated, and and at, at the heart of the defense. Final art, uh, position with the with the court was the fact that the AM was not a victim for all purposes. That AM was a victim only for purposes of uh, Sutaparoy's Sutaprog's um, misstatements to the immigration people about his support, the, his willingness to support um, AM. But the, the the question of whether he agreed to pay wages uh, to AM. Uh, was not something that was waived by the defense. The defense contested okay. that issue. On that
1: issue, uh, do you agree with the government that visa fraud is a continuing offense?
2: I I, I would say that Archer suggests that uh, the visa fraud was complete upon the submission of the false statements to the immigration officers. Uh, in Guatemala, or yeah, Guatemala. How would that be true? The indictment alleges that it spanned a period of time.
1: The statute refers to documents that are evidence of authorized stay or employment in the United States. But so why would the fraud continue throughout the period when the person is supposedly authorized to stay or uh, pursue employment in the U.S.? Could you address that?
2: even if even if this is a continuing fraud um, uh, into the period of time that uh, AM remained in the United States illegally, AM was still participating in the fraud at that point. Uh, he was not uh, going to the authorities he was not seeking to return to Guatemala knowing that his uh, visa was no longer any good. he was continuing to participate in the fraud at that point and so he still not a victim of the fraud. Yeah.
1: I don't see how he cannot be a victim if you waive the argument that he gets five thousand. That there's a five thousand dollar restitution. But
2: well, I guess, Your Honor, I would say that that from a legal perspective, he was not a victim. There might have been an agreement by predecessor counsel that he was entitled to five thousand dollars on a theory. But, okay, Well, you don't think that's a waiver of the legal issue, is what you're saying? Right, you're, you're, exactly, Your Honor. Because he was still, they were still contesting the nature of, of um, or the extent to which he was a victim of the crime.
3: Could you just clarify one thing for me, which is the five thousand dollars you keep speaking? I think I missed it. What exactly was the agreement for? What did it arise out of?
2: The five thousand um, dollars. What happened was uh, when, while well, Am was working at the, the Sons Restaurant. He was earning wages. Um, and out of those wages, he made payments periodically to Mr. Suktaparog. Um, and those payments were meant to, as the evidence suggested, were meant to reimburse Mr. Suktaparog for monies that he spent on behalf of AM while he sponsored AM in the United States. And the total amount that was uh, recovered by Mr. Sutekrogue using this uh, uh, set off was about $5,000 according to the defense counsel at at trial. Thank you.
1: We have three and a half minutes left. Do you want to address quickly if we assume that visa fraud is a crime against property either because it is or because that issue is waived and if we assume that AM is a victim, do you want to address whether uh, the visa fraud caused, approximately caused, the uh, property injury, and the bodily injury that were the basis for the award.
2: The um, the cause issue is is strictly limited uh, under Archer and the other cases um, to um, uh, situations in which the purported victim is not himself a participant in the crime. Um, and the, the district court used an argument that but for the visa fraud, AM would not be in this country uh, to be in a position of being uh, forced to make payments to Sikta Parogh or or engage in sex. But the, the real analysis is that but for AM's own criminal conduct, both in Guatemala in lying to the immigration officials, and in remaining in the United States after his uh, visa was no longer uh, supported, um, were, was the but for for uh, the losses that he received that he encountered, if any, um, while here. In other words, if the, if the if the if the district court's argument is that that he wouldn't have lost the wages and he wouldn't have been subjected to unwanted sex while he was here because of the visa fraud, but for the visa fraud. Um, it's also true that he would not have been subjected to those things, but for his own engagement in the visa fraud, both well, before and
1: after. That's kind of a reprise of your argument that he's not a victim, as I understand it.
2: That 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 would support the argument that he's not a victim as well, yes.
1: All right. Do you care to
2: save your time for Uh, rebuttal? I'll reserve uh, the time that I have left, Your Honor.
1: All right, you may. Ms. Provenzino, we'll hear from you.
0: Thank you, Your Honor. Let's start where the parties are in agreement and in agreement before the district court. And I think that will very narrowly uh, define the arguments left before this court. First, in the plea agreement, the parties agreed, the defendant did, to pay restitution. Secondly, the government and the defendant agreed that the Mandatory Victim Restitution Act applied to visa fraud. Third, that ASM is an identifiable victim. Fourth, that ASM is a victim because he has suffered a physical injury or pecuniary loss. Fifth, that the offense of visa fraud occurred over a two-year period. And finally, that the government and defendant agree that under the MVRA, the district court has statutory authority to order an amount of restitution that's consistent with the party's plea agreement. Uh, And that's what the court did. Uh, The defendant now is presenting a new argument before this court that the MVRA does not apply and that ASM is not a victim. Those were not presented to the district court. Those arguments are waived, there is nothing For this court to review. In fact, he agreed to this. This is sort of under the Olano and Teague line of questioning. He intentionally relinquished this right to challenge that issue of restitution. Well, did
1: he challenge the whole? I mean, did he waive the whole amount, though, or did he only waive that this offense qualifies and that he that there was an identifiable victim, but at least preserve or not waive the question whether all of the amount is uh, properly attributable to the offense.
0: And You are correct, Judge Colleton. The waiver is both that the ASM is a victim and that the MVRA applies. The only issue that was in dispute as presented to the district court and as referenced in the district court's restitution order was the amount, Uh, and that was- Council,
4: let me ask you a question in that regard. So what about proximate cause uh, as to restitution for bodily injury? Is that still an issue?
0: Yes, Your Honor, I would agree that that is not waived. Uh, The district court took careful testimony Um, She heard from the victim for over two days in an evidentiary hearing, uh, and she made careful findings consistent with the law and under Hughley that the visa fraud was the but-for cause of the bodily injury to the victim. She found that the defendant's near total control over him caused significant fear. There was ample evidence in the record, including the testimony of the victim that she found credible uh, that the defendant made threats uh, to the victim, that he would tell immigration or law enforcement, and he used that near total control uh, to get the victim to work at his restaurant uh, and also to engage in uh, unwanted and unconsented to sexual activity. Um, and as a result of that fear, the district court found uh, that the, that was the visa fraud was the butt for causation to the bodily injury. And that, as Your Honor has identified, that's the, separate, uh, the second set of restitution. Um, that would be relevant to lost wages uh, that are prospective, the period of time that the victim's counselor testified he could only work part-time, as well as the counseling costs and medication. Uh, so that would be the portion of restitution related to bodily injury. Um, and the property offense, I think the court found um, that there was no attenuation the but for cause was direct Uh, and it's very important to note that mr stuptik made representations to the government in order to obtain the visa those representations were that he would provide for the victims food housing school supplies transportation and tuition and she found that it was that promise of education uh, that caused the victim to come to the United States. So, and yeah, it was, so let,
4: let me, I'm not make sure I understand. So it's your position that the offense of conviction here, which was visa fraud, encompasses the sexual abuse and the non-payment of wages?
0: As to both. So the non-payment of wages would be the property or the pecuniary loss uh, to the victim. Um, the sexual abuse, Uh, and the resulting uh, physical harm and bodily injury from that uh, is the bodily injury portion. Uh, All of those the court found based on credible testimony of the victim and others uh, were but for the visa fraud itself. Those representations made by the defendant to lure the victim to the United States, uh, both for work and for the unwanted uh, sexual coercion.
4: Counsel, how do we distinguish between the uh, harboring of an alien offense and a visa fraud offense because it's it's undisputed that restitution is not available for harboring of an alien.
0: The court is correct. Restitution is not available for harboring under the MVRA. It would be available under other statutes and under a plea agreement between the parties. Uh, the defendant himself identifies a close connection between the visa fraud and the harboring. Uh, In part, the representations that the defendant made to the U.S. government to get the visa fraud indicated that he would provide for the victim's housing. Uh, And part of the allowance of the visa fraud scheme to continue was the harboring, the, the sheltering, the concealing for law enforcement that the victim did by keeping him in a basement bedroom and in the basement of the restaurant. Uh, So that was that allowed the visa fraud uh, to be furthered. So there certainly is a connection, but under the MVRA.
1: But I think the question is, why does one count as a crime against property and the other one not? Or maybe that's that's my question. Why is one qualified under the MVRA and the other not, if they're interrelated the way you just described?
0: And and the government would argue they should both. Uh, the, the statute under the MVRA excludes any offenses that are not under Title 18, and the harboring oh, so, is a Title 18, so, eight, so purely the as a-
1: Because it's not a Title 18 offense.
0: And that's correct, you're under, simply under the MVRA. Um, yeah. Pre-Diama, right. there have been some um, findings that harboring itself was a crime of violence. It's no longer viewed that way under a categorical approach. Uh, but the government in uh, the benefit of the bargain and the plea uh, you know Believes that restitution should be available under both um, But the district court correctly found uh, That she ha- that the district court had statutory authority under the mvra for the visa fraud in and of itself um, I think it's important to note uh, as far as the waiver. And I think judge strass had earlier identified Every single filing in front of the court was consistent with uh, the defendant's agreement that ASM was a victim and that the Mandatory Victim Restitution Act applied. Uh, That would be in the plea agreement in and of itself. That would be in the sentencing briefing, document 146, that ASM is entitled to some restitution for work he actually performed. The only issue in dispute was the amount. So why did the district court, I was wondering about this, the district court does
3: a full-throated discussion of offense against person, but um, says, I think, at one point that the uh, identifiable victim point had been waived. It seems that the district court treated those as two different things, and I'm wondering why. There's some reason the district court might have had to treat those two things differently.
0: The, the statute itself separates out uh, the pecuniary loss or the offense against property, uh, which was deemed to be the unearned wages, um, from the bodily injury and different losses flow from that including the cost of the counseling, um, any medications, uh, any uh, prospective or future wage loss. So under that sort of statutory scheme, Uh, the district court sort of carefully separated out the offenses against property uh, and the offenses against bodily injury. Uh, Clearly, the defendant waived a right to challenge any of the restitution uh, for the offense against property from the visa fraud, for the wages that were earned that weren't paid. Uh, It's arguable whether he completely waived uh, the right to challenge the bodily injury. Um, That seemed to be an issue... Uh, that was in contest, the amount if any that was owed to the third party face to face counseling. So that means counsel long.
3: seems to make a make the point though that the fifty two hundred or five thousand, I don't remember the exact amount, is somehow different because it's paying him back for things that he otherwise promised to uh, to provide. Um, and so my question for you is is there any merit to that in terms of how we treat the two issues on waiver? the identifiable victim versus offense against person, or offense against property, excuse me.
0: Yes, the, the defendant is too narrowly um, viewing the visa fraud. Uh, the defendant is now in its most recent claims arguing that the visa fraud uh, was an isolated one-time event that happened at the point in time in which the false representations were made to obtain the visa. Uh, that's not how the parties approach this or what the district court found to be the case. In fact, the superseding indictment identifies and the defendant pled to a visa fraud uh, period over two years, um, which is relevant to the fact that he represented to the government that over the period of time in which ASM, the victim, were in the United States, he would pay for his schooling, his transportation, housing, and other things. So in looking at the visa fraud over a larger period of time, um, the district court's uh, findings uh, relating to the wage loss is appropriate. If we merely look at uh, what was promised at the inception of getting the visa, a ledger was found upon executing a search warrant uh, that, that seemed to identify costs uh, that the defendant was, was charging uh, the victim for that were in contravention to representations he made to the United States government to get the visa in and of itself. Um, And we this is very distinct from Archer, um, where that was an opportunity to correct or supplement a new visa. Uh, What was pled to here and as charged was a visa fraud over a period of two years, uh, under which the defendant would have been, or the victim would have been here uh, as a student.
4: Council, I'd
0: like to go back to
4: the courts, uh determinations with regard to proximate cause for bodily injury. And I'm having trouble squaring uh, the district court's findings with this court's decision in the United States versus Reichow, R-E-I-C-H-O-W. It's a 2005 case. Can you address that? The,
0: the district court, I think, did, made a very careful analysis of causation. Uh, she looked to... Um, an analogy uh, of charges under uh, sexual abuse statutes and others and found that the totality of the defendant's actions where he exerted near total control over the victims, I think this is different from the case your honor is referencing, that that created fear. Um, And the fear, there was ample evidence in the record of uh, the, the victim's concern that the defendant would call immigration, would call law enforcement, could harm his family in the Dominican Republic. All of that uh, created the the culture of fear, uh, which led to the victim not having a choice um, to engage in the sexual acts with with the defendant. But and the district,
4: see, or, it does seem that the the conduct here is even further removed from the visa fraud than the conduct was in Rikow, in the, the bank situation.
0: The district court found that the conduct was was not removed. There was no attenuation. It was a direct causation both as to the property harm and as to the bodily injury. Um, and she, at the time of sentencing, referenced that the defendant had leveraged his power over ASM, withholding money, withholding food, education and other resources, uh, there was testimony that his passport was also held. All of those things made it so he could not leave that situation. Um, and so that's part of the uh, total culture of control the defendant had over the victim that caused his losses. The government would assert that in addition to the plea agreement at the time of sentencing, uh, the defendant made clear that ASM is entitled to some restitution for work he actually performed. And then all of the subsequent filings by the defendant, even those after the district court's order to show cause uh, documents 205 and 207, uh, the defendant agreed that the Mandatory Victim Restitution Act applied. AM is an identifiable victim who has suffered a physical injury or pecuniary loss that the court has the statutory authority to order an amount of restitution as to count two visa fraud. Um, He did that again in his response to the government's brief uh, 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 relating to the Show Cause Order uh, 207, and indicated that the only issue was the amount to be awarded. Based on all of that, the-
1: On the uh, question on the bodily injury, you say the bodily injury was the, was sexual abuse. Is that how you would define it? or was there were, it some physical uh, harm beyond the fact that he was subject to abuse?
0: A good question, Your Honor. I, I would agree that the record um, most amply demonstrates the harm from the sexual abuse. Uh, there was also testimony and is uh, cited in the government's brief, uh, the victim sustained injury at work. Um, he sustained injury from the sexual abuse. His treating counselor, um, William Carlson, Uh, substantiated that the the climate of fear caused bodily injury to the victim, including a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. So there is evidence in their record of additional uh, bodily injury and physical pain beyond the unconsented to uh, sexual abuse. I see that my time is up. If the court has any additional questions, I will answer those. Otherwise, I will urge this court uh, to affirm the amended judgment, and the restitution order below.
1: Very well. Thank you for your argument. Mr. Asgard, we'll hear from you in rebuttal.
2: Your Honor, I, I wanted to address uh, the question of proximate cause w- with respect to the physical injury and also with respect to the property loss. <clears throat> the, the cases hold that uh, the, the the injury, the loss, is proximately caused only when the injury is a result of the particular offense conduct, so that the offense conduct of of, um, visa fraud has to have within it intrinsically in this particular case, as alleged by the government, um, an intent or plan ahead of time to um, force him into labor and to force him into sexual situations. And and there was no evidence of that. In fact, uh, the evidence demonstrated uh, from uh, uh, the victim's own uh, testimony at the hearing that it was that he was not employed immediately, uh, that he was employed in fact by the defendant's son or the appellant's son, Warham, and that the uh, Mr. Pirogi actually opposed at least initially A.M.'s employment at the restaurant. So how? So the evidence does not show that at the inception of the visa fraud uh, uh, conduct that Mr. Suttapirog had an intent to lure AM to the United States for purposes of uh, uh, sexual uh, um, or uh, uh, forced labor. Um, and that's the problem with the government's argument, is that the, those things were not, the prox- were not approximately caused by what was demonstrated to be the visa fraud conduct. It was a, it was a standard, uh, everyday kind of visa fraud where they lied to the immigration authorities about the purposes.
1: All right, thank you for your argument. Thank you to both counsel, the case is submitted and the court will file an opinion in due course.